some deals we communicate with investors monthly, some of them if it's every quarter, but we'll talk about the good, the bad, and how does that translate into them getting their returns? Or maybe we're pausing distributions or delaying or speeding up or increasing. It takes all shape, not like hardly anything meets exactly what you put in a pro form. If you're not conscious about your investment strategy, you won't end up where you want to be, not financially or as a human. On this show, we interview highly successful investors and share how they overcame limitations to become unstoppable forces of success. If you're ready to learn what it is to be a conscious investor so you can end up where you want, keep listening. Welcome back, Conscious Investor. I always have the best guests for you. Today, I was thinking about what would serve you so powerfully. And there are so many different ways that we can structure our deals. And oftentimes, limited partners, they're presented like you, Conscious Investor, you're presented all these different opportunities to invest. And so I thought it'd be really worthwhile to spend some time with my good friend, Jason, who they have deployed a lot of different strategies in their investments to serve and benefit their passive investors in a really powerful way. And I thought, who better to have this discussion with? And he's great at explaining things. And I'm so excited just to serve this to you, Conscious Investor, so that you can better discern all of those deals that are coming into your inbox, really, is that the best deal for you? I understand there's a lot coming your way as soon as you start getting onto people's lists and everything. And so this conversation, I think, is really going to support you in distilling down what kind of investment is going to serve you and how to filter through what are they really doing in this business plan. But before we get started, we really want to just welcome Jason to the show. Jason, I've been looking forward to this for, I don't know, two, three months now. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Julie, for having me. Great to see your lovely face again and always enjoy our conversations and happy to be here. It's always a lot of fun. By the way, Conscious Investor, if you haven't already, you've heard me talk about the Pay It Forward event. If you haven't already signed up for the 2024 Pay It Forward event, what are you waiting for? You need to be there. Space is very limited. And guess what? Jason is one of the founders of that event. And so you're going to love what he's saying here. And you're going to want to run over and make sure that you register for next year's Pay It Forward event. I'm sorry. I have to give a plug because it's like my top two favorite events to ever attend. Well, thank you. Yeah, we really enjoy putting it on and kind of our own spin on conferences and masterminds and everyone gets better and better. We really enjoy hosting it. It is really fantastic. You have a really interesting background and typically we don't dive so much into people's backgrounds, but everything that you've accomplished in real estate has been really exciting to watch. I've only been able to watch the last few years and see what you're up to and everything, but it's been really exciting to watch. Can you just bring us up to speed? How did you get into real estate? Cause you did a career transition pivot and Let's stop there because I want to ask 500 questions all at once. So I won't like do that verbal vomit thing. I'll ask one question. <laughs> I'll try to give the abbreviated version, but yeah. my wife, Nadia, and I started buying property when we were dating. So 2001, bought our first duplex and quickly learned that the cash flow from that could pay one of my student loans, saved up a bunch more money. We knew nothing about private money, Burr method, none of that, just worked really hard and lived on a very modest budget and just started buying small properties. And we got married, our careers kind of took off and both were in medical sales. And we just still lived well below our means and just funneled everything we could into buying rental property. And the reason we got into that, you know, neither of us had come from money. 
knew much about money. And I had an internship in college with a financial planning firm that I was exposed to clients' accounts and looking at their net worths. And it always struck me that dual income couple that a doctor lawyer couple, and they maybe had a combined income of six, $700,000 a year. And their net worth was maybe half of that. Still seemed like a ton of money to me at the time, but there was a school teacher and a secretary who had maybe a combined income of $80,000 and their net worth was like 5 million. And, and the brokers were like, oh, we're not really interested in them because most of that worth that their wealth is in real estate. We have nothing to do with that. And then, you know, the light bulb went off like, wow, you can make a lot of money. And that was the goal way back 20 something years ago. That's how we got into it. And then over the years, we encountered various mentors who would sell us their property, provide their wisdom, things like that. And would ultimately you know, kind of keep leveling up. We were able to leave our day jobs in 2012. And at the time, it was just properties we owned ourselves. And over the next several years, then started using private money as opposed to our own. And that evolved into you know, starting to syndicate and doing joint ventures. And you know, I always think of these next things that three years or five years. So I thought about syndicating probably for 10 years before we actually did it. But when we did it, it was full steam ahead. So we've been syndicating for about six years now and just enjoying the heck out of all aspects of the business. So you guys have some of your hands in so many different pots and conscious investor. What I'd like to draw attention to, and I'm sure this really stood out to you is that it's been really the cool thing to do to get into real estate and multifamily syndication and house hacking. It's been really trendy for the last seven, eight years. And you hear someone who's had experience that's like deep seated experience, like Jason's like, that's one of those, oh, wait a second, you've been through market cycles, you've seen things, you've seen the changes in the real estate market. And that's really such a unique position to be because quite frankly, you've heard me say it, like you're going to see the market cycle and we're going to see a lot of people drifting away because the fire got too hot or something happened. And so I love amplifying voices like yours, Jason, where it's, Hey, I've been around. I know what I'm doing. I've done this on my own and I did it on my own. And then I brought everyone else along. I already had my success and now I'm sharing what I've learned in the success I've had to benefit other people. You also like, they're a power couple, conscious investor. Jason and Nadia are like just the most superstar power couple you're ever going to see. And your wife is just amazing and just such a leader for women. And I appreciate and value her so much. How do you guys work within that scope and sequence? I mean, they're two separate companies, but they're complementary. Can you tell us about how that came about? Yeah. And for any couples out there that, you know, current or future that work together, I mean, it's not always easy. (laughs) There were times where we had to grow as a couple. We had to grow as business partners and that can pose some challenges for sure. But over the last several years, I mean, she had started a design, co-founded a design company, which had its hands in a lot of construction projects. And over the years, we would do a lot of work ourselves 20 years ago when we started out. She's way more handy than I am and far superior at dealing with contractors and being organized with those types of things with deadlines and budgets and actually making a really attractive apartment that people will pay good money for. And so I really started seeing those strengths and had an opportunity to do it on a big scale where you know we were picking up some of these value-add opportunities, owners that had owned property for 30, 40, even 60 years in some cases. So there are some tired properties that we allocated budget for and then 
she said, yeah, I can handle that. And I had no doubt in my mind. I mean, she's a strong, powerful woman and that gets things done. And so, you know, renovated something like 150 units in five months. And it was crazy. Conscious investor, did you hear that? So when you're hearing this conscious investor, please, you're not like, oh, cute. You guys picked up a 10 unit, your lovely wife, over a hundred units, like everything's offline. There's pressure involved. And doubling the rents in the process. And look, I mean, that all sounds great. And that led into other commercial projects. And so she's spun her business off to be independent from the partners because they weren't really involved in the apartment business. And subsequently, she started a short-term rental business, which a whole other story. But that's the great news. She was able to go in and execute consistently on doing these renovation projects. And there's, I think, something to the tune of maybe $10 million worth of renovation projects she's got in the hopper right now. Now, The challenge, I think you want to be transparent, is that a year ago, that resulted in multiple 100-hour work weeks. You burning the candle at all ends. It sounds glamorous, but that's really a ton of hard work. And realizing that she had to scale up and delegate and hire really good people, but also as a co GP with myself and some other partners, you have loans then that they're in a bridge loan or a bank loan. And now you have to go through a refinance process in a more challenging lending environment. So thank God we're in a position that these deals have been positive and that we didn't really jam ourselves up too bad on too much of the floating rate and things like that. But there are real life challenges out there. And then just from a marriage standpoint, I mean, it's not always easy, right? Because you can just be talking about work for 20 hours a day and realizing, hey, we need to focus on the kids and our relationship and all these other things. So that's really the true benefit of working together too, is that it helps you lean into that growth. And that's not always easy to do so. But when you do it, I think it creates a stronger bond. We, Steve and I have gone through a lot of those growing pains. He's been on the show before, so we could talk transparently about that. He and I have separate companies and we don't meddle. I jokingly say I fired him from my investment company. He has his own brokerage. Like he has his own thing going on. He's very successful. So it does present this, especially if you love what you do. It's clear Nadia is so talented and gifted with design and overseeing and directing and orchestrating everything. It's just, but her design work is just glamorous. So I can see how that would be. I don't want to stop talking about it because Mm -hmm. I love what I do. It's fun. It's my hobby. It's my work. It's my everything, but we got to shut it down. Yeah. That's a hard thing to do, but sometimes you have to talk about it. Your husband and wife and your partners. And you're like, look, I just need to vent for 20 minutes and 20 minutes turns into two hours. And it's a lifestyle. It really is owning your own businesses and not clocking out at five o'clock and calling it a day. And it's interesting, you know, everybody wants to get into real estate for the financial freedom. And <laughs> there is financial freedom there, conscious investor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does provide financial freedom, but as a general partner, you know, if you're looking at starting a syndication, for instance, like there's a lot of work and responsibility that you have to put on yourself. And if you're an LP, it's only freedom if you make enough investments over a course of several years that pay you consistent dividends or have a game plan. You've multiplied and compounded your returns into a really nice chunk of change. So so financial freedom absolutely exists, but it's not as easy as just saying, hey, I'm going to get into real estate. And I know it happens for some people, but that's what you see on TikTok and Facebook. I think a lot of the people that have been in the business a long time just know that they just have to be consistent and put in the hours day over day, year over year. And that's where the real success comes in is just sticking to it for the long term. Hey, conscious investor. 
Often the well-intentioned hardwiring of our past prevents us from moving forward at full capacity. We doubt ourselves. We remind ourselves of who we were told we were instead of discovering who we were created to be. We lack courage to move into the life we're meant to lead. And often, instead of stepping into our full potential, many find themselves living a masked life, concerned with other people's expectations and opinions of their lives. Conscious performance coaching clients discover their potential is far more than they anticipated. Through conscious performance coaching, you will connect with your potential, gain lasting momentum, collapse your timelines, and well, hey, every day feels like play. Stop playing small and step into your full potential. Join the ranks of those who have stepped into their dreams, launched successful businesses, and become unstoppable forces of success. Click the link in the show notes and apply for a free coaching session today. And speaking to you, conscious investor, this is what we want to hear when we're looking for someone to invest with, a sponsor to entrust our capital to. These are things that I look for. It's like, okay, wait, great. You're going to be working your tail off. Awesome. You're taking this to heart. Fantastic. You have proof of concept. All right. We're on the right track because in all reality, right, as a passive investor, one thing I love about being a passive investor is, hey, the money shows up. <laughs> Steve and I love that. It's like, oh, look, there's the money, direct deposit. This is fantastic. Now, I love the active side also because I just love real estate and love every bit of what I do. But conscious investor, you love your job. You love hanging out with your family. You don't want to be putting in the extra hours but you can still create the financial freedom through these passive investments and snowball it. Jason, one of the things that I really wanted to speak to, and you are the perfect person because you have actually executed and deployed so many different business plans in your syndication experience. And, and even now, I mean, full transparency, I don't want to touch anything that is a heavy lift right now. And that's speaking to hey, do I have the experience like Nadia of taking offline units and getting the crews in there? Or I mean, she's just amazing at hiring the crews to take different buildings and to keep the project floating in like full steam ahead. I don't have that kind of experience. So conscious investor is looking at a team. What would be some of the things like, okay, wait, this is a heavy lift or this is a value add in this economic climate. Is this the right time? What makes those a strong play and how can they differentiate, say, a strong team like yours from some of the other teams that might not have that type of experience? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things to look at. I mean, ensuring that there's some people with some experience on the team. For us, we're vertically integrated on most of our projects, at least that are in our region. So our company will manage the property and her company will renovate the property. So there's GP involvement in the day-to-day. So there's real skin in the game so to speak. And so if you're an LP, you know that you can kind of get to the source if there's ever a challenge or a problem. This isn't always the case, but I feel very generally that a GP team that is some hands in the game, whether it's like running the construction or property management will tend to do better. And it's not always the case, but I think that's something to look for if there's one or two people that have a lot of experience, but also when you're looking at like the model for returns, I mean, we see a lot of these deals being promoted on social media and There's a lot of great opportunities out there, but with our current value add deals, we tell investors, look, you're not going to get paid for two years. How would I pay you if I'm going to destabilize the heck out of this property? We're going to take 200 units, tear them down. Nobody's going to be paying rent. And then we're going to fix these and re-rent them. So 
how would I be able to pay you a return? But when we do that, hey, we're not going to get paid either. We're going to have our values and goals aligned with you as the limited partner. And so whether it's a year and a half, two and a half years, but in that time frame, then this thing starts kicking off cash flow and it'll be even better of a deal. I think so many operators got themselves into trouble and we've all been guilty of that where you're thinking the best case scenario, but then realizing I'm not going to renovate and re-rent the unit in a month. It might not even be 60 or 90 days. You know, really be conservative with the underwriting. It's a hard lesson to learn, but I think some folks that have learned those lessons or at least have put in all of these things to ensure that things can go well and make the deal overachieve versus sometimes you just can't outmanage reality. And the reality is it's going to take a year, two, three years to restabilize a property. I've heard a lot of words of wisdom from some older people in the business that have done it for 40 or 50 years who've said they never would promise or project early returns. They would sometimes tell their partners, you're not going to get paid until we refinance this thing in year five. And that kind of stuck with me because we've all been exposed to this world over the last five years where things are going like gangbusters and people are flipping multifamily basically. I buy a deal and flip it a year later for millions of dollars more. That's a great moment in time, but that's not really the standard. You should be just look to hold your money in there for a while. Don't let it be your grocery money. Let it be the money you want to build wealth with. You're going to overachieve on that goal. So I just think these short-term plays tend to leave people disappointed because God forbid you had to refinance today or you're like some of these floating rate loans. And we have one out there. It's not fun. That was kind of overtaking the market for a while there. Yeah. That's not a fun position to be in. What's the level of transparency and how is that communicated? Yeah. I think we're transparent to a fault to GPs and to our LPs. It can be frustrating at times because by nature, a people pleaser and just always want to give the good news like, Hey, this is going great. It's good to define what does great mean. And so some deals we communicate with investors monthly, some of them it's every quarter, but we'll talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and how does that translate into them getting their returns or, or, Hey, maybe we're pausing distributions or delaying or speeding up or increasing. I mean, it takes all shape, like hardly anything meets exactly what you put in a pro forma. So we try to communicate openly and honestly, and that's paramount in talking about challenges. And then, you know, like on this one where my wife, Nadia had renovated 150 units in five months, we are the GP team. You know, there's several of us on the deal had designed a very linear path and said, Hey, we're going to renovate these and rent them up. And this like path that takes three years. Well, she renovated all the units in less than a year. Well, it was five months. It got a slow start, but by the end of year one, every unit was renovated, but then it was a really big challenge to lease them up. And here we are less than two years in the deal, about 20 months into it. And we are ahead of where we would have been at year three. And so I think that was really challenging news to deliver to investors that thought they were going to get paid right out of the gate. The deal took a different form. Said, look, we're actually overperforming and refinancing early. So you'll get paid better and more consistently. It just took a little bit longer to get there. And I think having a realistic game plan and just telling people when things don't go well. It's not always the news people want to hear, but I think you have to be transparent because this is a business. Tenants move, tenants destroy properties, tenants decide not to pay rent, things break, sewer lines collapse, boilers break down in the middle of the winter. And those aren't things that necessarily you can plan for, even if you do have like an emergency fund. So open and honest, and just being able to maybe identify ahead of time before you invest in a deal can you handle the things that may go wrong? Because in the apartment business, things go wrong every single day. <laughs> and so it's still going to outperform or help you diversify 
your portfolio to help you build wealth. And that's the ultimate goal. So these micro things that happen quarter over quarter, but hey, big picture, if this is a seven-year deal, this is still a really good deal and you're going to make a lot of money over that time period. And I think that's important for the passive investor to keep in mind. I love that. I love that you're speaking from clear experience. I love that you're looking at this over a long haul versus it's really important to look at the macro. Well, why did I get into this deal? Did I get into it for the cash flow of a small amount each year? In all reality, it's a small amount each year that I'm going to go to dinner or go on a vacation with, you know, like just a small little drop compared to the macro of that investment. That's so critical and powerful. And I appreciate the transparency and candidness with investors. And this is one of those things when I look at partnerships and when I speak with passive investors, conscious investor, if we've already spoken, you've heard me say this, when I'm vetting potential partners, it's an intense process because something will go wrong. Not because I'm being a negative person. It's just how life is over three, five, seven years something's going to go sideways. Like who's the character that's going to show up when it goes sideways? Is it going to be someone that's going to be in the foxhole and we've got each other's backs? Or are you running for safety and protecting yourself? Like really understanding who you're collaborating with on these longer projects, because ultimately conscious investor, these are the people that are using your funds, your capital and your investment to grow it and mature it. And this is a putting capital in the right hands is what you have to do to ensure the success that you are actually looking for. I have nothing to add. You actually said it perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, and you might have something to add, but I appreciate you so much, Jason, that I'm like, Jason might have more to add on this. I'm just not going to throw another question out yet. (laughs) Oh, I love it. There's so much there. You've had some partners that you've collaborated with. You guys are, have been in deep partnerships and everything. How are those formed? And I think this benefits you conscious investor in understanding this because strong partnerships create stronger investments. When we started syndicating, I had linked up with somebody local who was not a real estate person, but they had syndicated a deal of some condominiums in Florida about 15 years ago when the market crashed. And so he was looking to be a hard money lender and we had got to be friends and had this bright idea that we were going to start a real estate fund or start syndicating. And he's a high ethics, high morals, very good reputation. And we started buying some deals together and it had some challenges. There were times that we got in and man, you know, cash flow was tight or something happened that didn't go according to plan. And we kind of weathered those storms and we built up a lot of mutual trust over the years. And so not the partners that I would do every deal with, because there's things that meet their criteria. And then one of my close partners, I met Jens Nielsen, I met at a real estate conference. And he was just starting out in the business and we kind of hit it off and had some mutual connections. And I think this was, gosh, four plus years ago. And we took it slow. It was like dating and said, Hey, you know, if you have a deal like to be involved in, we barely knew each other, but he was able to kind of contribute in some ways that my local partner and I, he had some skills that we didn't have. And that went well. And the next year we did, we went from one deal to three deals. The following year was nine deals and then 16. It just kept growing and growing because we built that trust and said, Hey, we really complement each other. And then we've kind of merged a couple different teams, but the constant would be that he'll generally partner with Nadia and I, we build up such a trust and a friendship that we really value the perspective and the boxes he can check that we can't and vice versa. Where as an example, I mean, I might go out and find the deal 
you know, I've got the broker relationships, I can eyeball a deal and I, I know it's going to work. And I can back an app in the deal and say, yeah, this is going to work, but I need you to nerd out on it and actually like create the pro forma for the investors to prove my math correctly. And so he'll get way in, get in the weeds, underwrite the heck out of it. We'll have a healthy discussion and debate around it saying, hey, does this really work? Are these assumptions great? And then, hey, if it's value add, Nadia, we've learned to not even ask her if our budget works. We've learned to ask her, help us create this budget. Tell us what it's going to take. We're shooting from a place of reality. And so he doesn't have the construction expertise or experience. And then you have someone else that does. And then we have a partner who's a CPA by trade. And you start getting into these 10, 15, $20 million deals. You can save a lot of money by having somebody on the team that is truly a financial expert. Hey, this is the right way to do things. And this is going to save us money or make us money in the long run. So I think that there's a lot of good resources out there, like lists of questions you could interview sponsors and partners and all these things. But ultimately you have to trust your gut and you have to be willing to take some action. And I mean, I don't say like don't mortgage your entire future with one person. If you're young and you're willing to take that risk, great. But I think if you build a career, you're willing to take some risk, willing to see what this looks like to work with this person. Hey, that was great. What do we do well? What can we improve on? And then kind of refining that process and growing together. If your goals are aligned and your values are aligned, it becomes really easy to do business together. And it's a lot of fun. Conscious Investor, you know that Jens is one of my favorite humans. He's been a repeat guest on the podcast. And if you head to the YouTube channel, just go to the educational playlist because he's been on a couple of those. So, And then you'll quickly see why they're probably like perfect partners for each other. But I love the fact that you understand. And this is something that is really critical for passive investors and active investors. Who am I raising that level of self-awareness to say, great, I can eyeball this on the napkin. And I know intuitively, I know this is going to work. However, now I got to have the numbers man actually like dig in and really look at how this is going to work. On the passive side, that might mean that maybe you're creating the relationships, maybe within your family environment with your spouse or your partner, you were like, great, I'm a people person and you've created relationships with sponsors. Now you want to have your partner actually that as well. I bring Steve along to different things because he sees people in a different capacity than I do. And it's another perspective. And it's really important on the passive and the active side to really be wide-eyed and aware. Absolutely. I'm wondering about One more thing before we're going to have to wrap this up, a new time is going to run out, (laughs) but one more curious question. And that is you have on these larger projects and we kind of touched on this earlier, but on these larger projects, let's just circle back to like deal structure, deal formation. Is there anything that the conscious investor would want to look at as specifically? So I think I'm asking the same question I asked earlier, maybe in a different way to drill down into like, golly, bridge debt, that sounds really scary right now. Or how do I know that their capital stack is actually going to protect my investment? I'm going to give you a quarter of a million dollars and need and want this to grow. How do I know my money's safe in the capital stack? Sure. It's important to remember that there is risk, right? Every deal a limited partner, you're risking your money. I mean, there's a chance that things could go to zero. I mean, there's events out of the sponsor's control, but I think you'd want to look at a team that you believe in and trust will do everything in their power to run that deal well and execute a business plan, even if things don't go according to plan. You know, looking at the debt, I mean, it doesn't necessarily matter what the rate is. The rate could be 2% or 12%. 
But the reality is, does the deal still make money, right? Because there's plenty of people that get hard money loans and the deal works, right? I think we've only ever done one floating rate loan and it's been painful. We underwrote this deal at three and a half percent and now it's like 10 and like it's, you know, we're in the process of refinancing that. But again, does the sponsorship team have the ability to weather a storm? Say, hey, do we have enough capital reserves? And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there right now that are having to do capital calls and get really creative in terms of making their deals work. And I really feel for the LPs and the GPs. I mean, these are not easy decisions and easy things to get through, but it's just looking at the grit factor. I mean, this isn't, how do you tell if somebody has grit? I mean, some of it's experience. Like if you're interviewing a GP team as an LP saying, tell me about the stuff that hasn't gone well, like what hasn't gone well. And because if somebody says, no, it's all been perfect. I mean, they're either being a people pleaser and they're not telling you the truth or they just haven't done it long enough because I can promise you the bigger they grow their business, there's stuff that doesn't go well every single day, but you want the good to outweigh the bad. And also note, not that it doesn't go well, it's just how do you handle challenges? Right. And I think that's one of the line of questioning you'd want to have is say like, how does this team handle adversity and how they react when a pandemic hits and everybody's running scared at that point in time, just what, three and a half years ago. And how does a team act when we have the Fed all of a sudden, just, I don't know how many multiples the rates has gone up, but it's just, things have been crazy. Right. So how are they going to handle that and take the big picture, but looking at those things that they can control such as the debt and, you know, everybody's able to make mistakes, but how do they own up to those mistakes and take accountability? So you're going to have to trust your gut a little bit, but I think asking those challenging questions. So you kind of really see that they direct and say, yeah, I had this one thing that was really painful and here's how we handled that. And here's how we had to like borrow from my like savings to make this deal work because that's what I had to do. Or, Hey, you know what? Like we had to suspend distributions or if you see that level of honesty and transparency, you can tell that they are going to add some layers of protection into the deal. Everybody has to get a start somewhere, but I would just say if somebody's brand new in the business, that they have solid mentors and somebody on a deal that's going to be able to kind of help them steer and navigate through the the ups and downs. That is such sound advice. I love it all. Jason, it has been phenomenal. I'm so grateful for you. You're just a fantastic person. And I want to thank you for your time. How can a conscious investor get a hold of you? You resonate with me and want to invest with someone of your caliber. Best way. Best way, they can check out our Yenses and our brand new website, incrementumequity.com. And they can also check out parallelrealestate.com and they can register on there to see the types of deals we invest in and set up a call anytime. I mean, we'd love to just always love talking real estate and happy to answer any questions, but you can look at deals on our website and I'd be happy to share with you the ones that have gone extremely well and the ones that have posted some real life challenges and how we've navigated through those too. Yeah. Those are great stories. They're painful stories, but they're good stories. Yeah. There is a good ending. Issue. I'm like, sure. there are some not best endings happening right now for people because I've just say that cautiously. Thank you. And conscious investor, thank you for listening. Hey, this has probably served you well because you're looking into investing passively. You're trying to understand the different facets. And Jason is just a fantastic resource. And If this conversation has served you well, please make sure that you are sharing this with your friends. And especially if you're investing with your spouse or partner, make sure that you're sharing these type of episodes that resonate with you so that the two of you are on the same page. And sometimes I know some of you will put this on in the car, hoping that your spouse will listen to the episode. So don't be afraid to do that also. Until next time, live big, love bigger, and do great things. What's the big deal about investing in apartments? 
Why is it better than investing in a slew of single family homes? I've compiled a lot of information on why investing in a multifamily, also known as apartments, will help you reach your investment goals. Head over to threekeysinvestments.com and download the Why Invest in Multifamily Guide today.